We've got a vision morning this morning, and so you've got Chris and I. We're tag team preaching. It's going to be a bit like rugby. So when I've spoken too much, Chris will leap on me from the side, throw me off the platform and carry on. Does that sound good? Good, good. And his tolerance levels of my speaking are very low. So within two minutes, he'll be pushing me off. So wonderful. Uh, We're going to talk about vision, but let me start where we've been uh, lately. Listen to this. The strong can do what the weak cannot. The strong resist what the weak don't. The strong keep going when the weak give up. The strong resist temptation the weak give in. The strong remain in peace while the weak stumble are thrown off and fall. The strong turn up when the weak give up. The strong carry heavy weights while the weak drop responsibilities. The strong control their emotions while the weak are overcome by stresses. The strong draw meekness and humility out of their grace-filled souls while the weak are overcome by ego, approval, addiction, and ambition. The strong don't dwell on issues they can't change while the weak are overcome by regret, shame, and the disapproval of others. The strong attend when the weak fall away. The strong break through. Come on, growl at the person next to you this morning. Let's get in that mood. You might have had a bad week, but I want to bring the growler out of you. Come on, take the next week on. Be confident, be strong. The strong breakthrough. Now, you were born to be strong. Now, who this morning went, but I don't feel very strong. You know, I woke up this morning, I looked at Vicky and I said, I wish I could fly up to the sky, but I can't. And she said, you can. I said, no, I can't. Some of you look like you needed that. You're looking at me all serious. I woke up this morning and said, Vicky, I just don't feel like church. She said, you have to go. You're paid to go. You're the pastor. Get out of bed. So if you turned up and you're not paid to turn up, clap yourself this morning for turning up anyway. Whatever's going on. That's what life's about. Amen. The strong breakthrough, clear the way, endure hard times while the weak fail, thrown by little irritations and inconveniences. Let's be big people on the inside, right? Not on the outside. But thank you. Thank you. Um, you can take my mum's place this morning because she's away. You can, you can say thank you for all the tough things. The strong rise up, attack, take ground, advance, improve, update, embrace change while the weak hide, searching for the path of least resistance, cost and pain. The path of least resistance, cost and pain. Who wants to be a follower of Jesus this morning? Come on, give me me that little kind of, you know, please the preacher kind of wave. Because none of us really want the path of least resistance. We want it all to fall out of the sky, don't we? But those of us that have lived enough realize, actually, if I'm ever going to be strong in God, being in God doesn't mean it's all easy. It means he's helping me through the hard stuff. With my God, I can scale a wall. With my God, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I've got a a hiding place in every trouble. But we all have to become strong in the grace and the kindness and the goodness of our God. Amen. Remaining in weak, even though for most of us it's our start point, And actually we slightly worry about those that think they're strong in and of themselves. But for most of us in this room, 99.9 will go, well, I'm pretty weak. I've pretty well failed. I've got some regrets. I, 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 I've got my inside story, which isn't like the Sunday morning, I'm fine story. It's more of an internal what the hell is going going on at time story we're all enduring do not think that anyone glows in the dark 
we're all walking with God through tough times and good times. If you're in a good season today, help those going through hard seasons. If you're in a hard season, you're in the right place. The air conditioning will slowly fade away and you're going to get warm in your nice comfy seat this morning and I'm going to preach faith to you and you're going to walk out of this place encouraged. Amen. That's what we're, that's what we're here to do. We're here to encourage you, to encourage you. We've got a PowerPoint that we're going to use because it's going to stop me talking too much. Uh, becoming disciples. That's why I began with we want to be strong. Why? Because the strong can do what the weak cannot we're not just here to be a nice church. Is that okay? We're here to pioneer. We're here to make a difference. We're here to grow into strong people that lead healthy families and have healthy marriages and bring up godly children. Growl at the person next to you again. Arr, yes, that's me. I'm, yeah, I can feel that English niceness just fall on you. Come on, Africans. Help us. Yeah, come on. Hallelujah, brother. Ah, oh, hallelujah, Africa will be saved. Hallelujah. Praise God. We need to be strong if we're going to do all that God has for us. And so as part of that, um, just click, miss the next slide, Lucy, and go to the one after that. Miss that one. It's miserable. Go to the next bit. That's more, that's more cheery. Gee, now, have you missed out the vision and goals? Was that before? No, come back to the vision and goals. That's it. Wonderful. See, we've got things to do as a church and people to be as a church. And we want as many people as possible to feel close to the core of the family and growing in God together. Amen. I mean, we're in a fantastic place. In the last uh, 10 years, we've gone from being uh, a 240-something uh, size family to over 650 today across the region. We've got, I was just asking uh, our chair of directors, Stuart, who, who ceremoniously has not shaved this morning. He's, he's looking gritty and gladiatorial. He's like, summit, that's it. Oh, he's growling at me now. And uh, I was saying so, because he was looking at the finances, and I was saying, how have we grown? And he says, well, for 10 years, we've grown 13% a year in our finances, year on year, from 200 and something thousand to half a million plus today. There is strength in the house, and we're here to encourage people to carry on in the strong journey. Let's keep growing. Let's keep reaching. Let's keep doing all that God has for us to do. Uh, but we realize that requires increasing strength. Yesterday's strength won't do for tomorrow's challenges. And so we're here to talk today about how we can be stronger together. But nobody feel discouraged by that because internally we all feel a bit weak. But together, if we simply sow and reap with the principles of the kingdom, we come out stronger. So stick with it. Don't get discouraged. I don't care if you fail 70 times this week. Stand up. It's not how you fall. It's whether you bounce that matters, right? So let's be a bouncy church, the church of Tiggers, right? Turn to person next to you and say, you look like Tigger this morning. Tell them that. You were made to bounce. Hallelujah. Our vision, our, our goals. We said it again. Let me do a little bit of repetition for a moment. We're here to inspire global revival. Now, I, I, I like big, hairy, challenging goals. You know what I mean? I, I'm not here. We're, we're, we're here to bless. Bless a little neighborhood. No, I think God's got something great for us. A friend of mine went to a, a prison recently. He turned up at the prison. He started talking to the prisoners in the prison. It was nowhere near Hull, another part of the country entirely. And he goes in and he starts chatting. And they said, have you heard of Revive Church? 
Have you heard of that, Jared Cooper? We listen week after week. Listen, we are bringing life to prisoners that we may never even meet. There's little signs of life, little oases of life, pools of encouragement going out through the radio and out through the television and going out through all the different ministries that we're involved in from Colombia to the Philippines. Things are going on around the world that are bringing life from Kingswood. Oh, one day let's make it from Kingswood to Cairo. Right, we're here. What does it mean to inspire global revival? To bring God's life, not just make people feel a bit better, but true life-saving, life-changing transformations in people that then go on, as one of the points says, to transform local communities. It's great in our local community, uh, listening to Emily last week at a, one of our leaders' meetings, talking about the Little Angels group going from, uh, 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 from one session when Vicky pioneered and started it off, then we employed Emily, taking it now to seven sessions. In fact, in the last couple of weeks, I've won a £4,500 grant towards some of the expenses and the advancement going on. Isn't that cool? But the most exciting thing is people coming through from activities like that to say our Christmas. We had record attendance ever over the Christmas period. We saw 73 people respond to the gospel and we've seen attendance spike ever since because people are receiving life. That's what it's all about. I was talking to Steve Green over in our Ghoul campus the other day. They had 68 kids in a youth club the other day. 68 kids. I mean, if you've ever seen our Ghoul building, that will be filled to capacity and some. There are things going on where we're here to bring life to communities, to inspire global revival, to raise extraordinary generations. I just noticed the Revival All-Stars, Emily tweeted it the other day, one of the little kids, it's going to be one of your kids here. Uh, something was going on at home and the response of the little one, so we're talking under six, aren't we Chris? The under six is, well I think we need to pray about that. Come on, these are kids that are getting life inside of them, right? To raise extraordinary generations, youth coming through, young people coming through. But let's not forget, I, what about some silver-haired surfers, right? I, listen, listen, you older generation, don't die in your cinema seat. End your life on the mission field. All that wisdom, all that anointing, all of that life skill, get it out to the four corners of the world. We went to 14 nations last year. Let's have some silver-haired surfers heading around the world, transforming lives. One of our silver-haired surfers came out. I was considering, I still am going to, let's just say the other side of the world soon. And one of our silver-haired servers who'll remain nameless, my pastor came up and said, hey, hey, I think I might like to come on that. Never lose the fight in your eyes. We're here to bring life wherever we go. Amen. And our current goals, look, yeah, we're going to build a building on Kingswood. We're going to plant new campuses. Cottingham is just about to start at a monthly outreach level. And we're starting to head in that direction and other places too. And number three, to develop leaders. There is 120 leaders in various levels of coaching and training from full-time to part-time to the evening Bible class and other, uh, uh, other opportunities like in campus leadership and worship leadership, stuff like that. Go look at Revive academy.com and find out what we're doing. We're here. Why have we got, why are we developing leaders? Well, for the top three. And here's Chris and, uh, and my point this morning. We need to be strong enough to do this. This is challenging stuff. This isn't, this isn't what nice Christians do. This is what great, hairy, mighty Christians do. 
This isn't, this isn't nice people from East Yorkshire. Ooh, do you, do you want a cup of tea? And we'll, 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 we'll discuss the fruit of the Spirit. No, no, no. This is people that go, get here. I'm going I'm to perform a miracle on you. We need, we need some. We need to be mighty in God. Amen. And so what we're talking about today is how we become in our culture, in other words, how we live together to be mighty enough to fulfill this. We are, we are extraordinarily blessed and graced. We know we're on a journey with twists and turns, but that's okay. It's actually always been like that anywhere near me. I do apologize. There are nicer churches to go to. But I believe we're here to pioneer and make a difference. We're here... As somebody prophesied over me this week, and it really is about us, we're here to bring a certain sound to the church. That's why, that's why we don't look like this one or that one, is because there's a certain unique sound. Now, being unique sounds lovely, but it's actually quite hard work sometimes because it's much easier to copy. But I want to encourage you, family, we're on a unique journey doing something extraordinary. And I know sometimes it's hard and even sometimes it's boring. But actually being mighty is also about enduring the boredom at times and the frustration, right? And when things aren't working and you might be praying for your, your teenage son and the boredom sets in in the fifth year. Listen, keep praying. You don't know what Wesley you're bringing up and it might take it to the 10th year before suddenly that child comes to life in response to your prayers. But we believe our voices are mighty in heaven. Amen. So let's keep enduring. So we want to talk about how we become strong enough to do all this and accomplish all of this. Is that okay? So let's look at the next slide. So we're going to talk about um, building and growing as a disciple in God. No, the next one. There you go. Wonderful. Thanks, Lucy. Isn't Lucy fantastic? She's great. Thanks, Lucy. You're doing good. Jesus on discipleship. Again, I want to make the point this morning that um, God never called us to make church members. Is that all right? Now, because I want us to step out of culture or just the stuff that we go through and maybe don't really think about too much, but just for a moment, work with me. I hope it makes sense. He didn't say make church members or I love the fact that 73 responded in some way to the gospel over, Christi uh, over Christmas, but he didn't really say count decisions. Or, or people that take Bibles, or all of that's good. It's part of their journey in some way. Jesus said, make disciples. In other words, uh, cause people to truly, thoroughly follow me. And the only way to fulfill God's vision for our church is that we truly become disciples and grow in God. Amen? And let's look about how Jesus spoke about discipleship. He said things like this. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Say, follow me. We've got to be, that requires movement. It requires focus. It requires dedication. He said things like, um, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. That's his instrument of execution and follow me. It says things like, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Things like, no one who puts a hand to the plough, in other words, starts to work with me and for me, and looks back, is fit for service in the kingdom of God. In other words, you've got to look forward, and you've got to follow, and you've got to step into tomorrow. There's a wonderful little scripture in Hebrews that says, if their minds had been on what was behind, they would have had opportunity to go there. 
Listen, what you think about all day is where you'll end up. I'm here to say there is a bright future. There is a place in God. There are things in God that we are yet to experience that will be revolutionary to us and to areas and regions and even to nations and lives that are in other, other nations that we don't even go to right now. There are things that God is going to do in us that is going to cause uh, transformation in lives. So listen, there is a, there's, a, there's a, this big picture, and it's a tough picture. Did you notice it? I wish it said it in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 3, verse 15. Go into all the world and be nice. Be nice. Go into all the world and get people to sing songs. Go into all the world and put on attractional events with lots of singing where everybody feels great. No, he said, go into all the world, essentially, and train people. He actually said, disciple nations. Wow. These are big, meaty statements, and they require big, meaty disciples to walk with God. Right? And so, really, what, what am I talking about? I'm talking about you becoming all that you can become in God. Not you becoming someone else other than maybe like Jesus. You becoming all that you were called to be. And so we've got this great big picture uh, of what God wants us to be. It's extreme. It's costly. It's, it's thorough. It's full of training and growth and development. It certainly isn't turn up once every three weeks, sit and sing songs, and hopefully feel better about my guilt and hopeful about a ticket to heaven when I die. No, it's much more than that. It's follow Jesus today. Walk with him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Deal with your finances with Jesus. Parent your children with Jesus. Grow your marriage with Jesus. Find a husband with Jesus. Find a wife with Jesus. I did. He's got a very good dating setup. Hallelujah. As we walk with Jesus, we become strong and incredible things happen. And so our big question, knowing that what we're charged to do, I will stand before God one day and he won't say, did you fill a cinema? He won't say, did you build a building on Kingswood? He'll say, did you grow great big people? Did you grow people that are just on fire for me? Not on fire for church, but on fire for me. See, our problems are never culture problems. They're never really leadership problems. They're always our people thoroughly, absolutely in love with Jesus. Because when we are, everything goes easy. All the ego is burned out the place and we walk with God in grace. Amen. And so the next slide puts the big question that people like uh, Chris and myself and, and Stuart and Jonathan and Lamia and Vicky and others have to sit and consider. Does our culture encourage disciples or nice members, right? Jesus wasn't nice. He was both tender and terrifying all at the same time. So, but here's a thought. We know that we need to make disciples, but here's a great little thought that's, uh, that's swishing around the leadership world at the moment. It's the top little line there uh, in the main body. It says, culture eats vision for breakfast. And in other words, it doesn't matter how much I say, let's be disciples, let's follow Jesus, let's inspire revival. What we actually do all day is what really happens. Isn't it true? Put all the mottos on the wall that you want, but does our culture breed nice Christians or disciples that are on fire? Right? That, that's the question that we're asking. Environment, processes, activities, systems. In other words, connect groups, departments, how we live through our week, prayer meetings, all either help or hinder the goal. And the goal is to become disciples strong enough to fulfill the vision with Jesus. 
So we ask, do our, does our disciple create, does our culture, sorry, create disciples, compassionate evangelists, pioneers, miracle workers, biblically knowledgeable people, growing people, excited people, fulfilled people, confident leaders, or the big question that we look at as leaders, are we actually saying, let's inspire revival, but encouraging plateaus? Anybody ever been here? I, I, I've been in these places. Plateaus, boredom, learning gaps, uh, working just out of duty, coziness, dullness, nice Christians. And so Chris and I are currently working on this whole, let me see what else I've got to say. Right, we're working on the whole world of how we live together and work together. And we started to ask ourselves, well, is there several key things that we can break it down to that everybody should really be doing just um, three things is where we've got to eventually. What three things make up a disciple? And is everybody in the church encouraged into these three things? If not, it's possible to live perhaps in one corner of the church and feel like a Christian but never become a disciple. Does that make sense? Because I can, I can be in a little backwater that never challenges or grows me or encourages me or supports me into certain areas of health. And we want to share those three pillars with you today uh, and, and next week. And we're going to, essentially we're doing this because we will be making some changes over the summer in how we operate and work some of our church. Why? Because we're trying to move our culture towards maximum health. It's not actually that scary at all. So don't think, oh, huge changes. These are slight adjustments, but they could be transformational for us. Who wants that, right? It's not about working more or putting in loads more time. Actually, it's about freeing up time and energy so that all of us can spend our time not running a machine called church, but being the church. That's what we're here to be, okay? And so we're really trying to simplify some of our culture. And so to bring the first pillar of what we think every single person who wants to follow Jesus should have in their life, let's welcome one of our legends, Chris Bonecrusher, Fleet Cross. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, I hope you're having a good uh, Mother's Day. My Mother's Day started at five o'clock this morning, convincing my daughter that uh, Leslie wouldn't be very happy about being woken up at five o'clock for pancakes and a card and a present. She'd woken up really early because she was that excited about Mother's Day. Um, yeah, she is, isn't it? But it just reminded me of what Jesus said in, in the Bible, because Jesus says in the Bible, it is better to give than it is to receive. Why was my daughter so excited this morning? It wasn't because she was getting any presents like Christmas Day. It was because she was going to get to serve Leslie, her mum, and give out. Okay? So the, it, it, that um, follows on very nicely to our first pillar. The first pillar we want to talk about discipleship is life of service. Why are we concentrating on discipleship? I tell you why we're concentrating on discipleship because I want to be part of the greatest church ever. I do. I don't want to be part of a of an okay, mediocre, average church. I want to be part of the greatest church which has ever been seen in this nation, been seen in this world. Who's with me? Yeah, yeah. 
greatest church. I mean, why would you want to be part of a second-rate church if you could be part of the greatest church? I want to be part of a church which sees incredible miracles, incredible healings, where no, none of the congregation have cancer or any sickness. I want to see a church where our congregation go into the workplace and see healings and see the power of God demonstrated. I want to be part of a church which has amazing worship experiences where the presence of God just envelops you and people just get saved by walking into that environment but the thing is the church isn't programs it's not worship teams it's not it's not preaching it's, it's not structures and organizations the church is people the church is you and me so to create the greatest church we need to create the greatest people the greatest people why can't this be a generation where the greatest children of God who ever walked this planet live? I'm only part of that generation. I want to be great. I want to be great. I want to see great works. Jesus told us how to do this. Can I have the next slide? If anyone wants to be the greatest in the kingdom, which Jesus never said that was a bad thing. If you want to be the first, you have to become the last. If you want to become the most important person, you have to serve. Jesus said this, no, Jesus didn't say it, it was Paul. Paul said this in Philippians. Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, becoming made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, this is a good therefore, therefore God exalted him to the highest place in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every knee shall bow and every Every tongue shall confess he is Lord. How did that happen? Because he humbled himself. He became nothing. To, you see, it's the inside, outside, upside down kingdom, to quote Mr. Edwards, where you lose to gain and you die to live. You've got to go down if you want to go up. You've got to go lower if you want to go higher. You've got to hide and do it in secret if you want to be seen by God. See, I'm talking about loving without an agenda. I'm not talking about volunteering. I'm not talking about, I will give you this part of the time as long as it's, it's you know, convenient to me. I'll give you a bit of my weekend. I'll give you a bit of this and a bit of that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who will sow their lives, who will empty their lives just like Jesus for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of seeing the lost saved, for the sake of the glory of God. Because when we pour out our lives, God makes us great. God makes us great. I... Some of you may have been around um, a few years ago when, when uh, we started to do the expressions and, and Jared had this great vision morning, a bit like this, and said, so we're going to go into Hessel and we're going to go into Bruff and we're going to go into Long Hill and we need worship teams and we need preachers and we need hosts and we need stewards and we need people to drive the minibuses and all these things that we need to make, make this vision happen. And I was like, yeah, I'm on board, I'm on board. Yeah, and there was a sign-up sheet and so I put my name on every single thing. Yeah, I'll just do anything. I just want to pour out my life and, and, and for the sake of the gospel, I'm going to get behind this vision so I'm there under the preaching, the hosting, the worship leading, everything. 
And then uh, the roles were given out, and uh, I found out that I was on no list whatsoever, and give no role or responsibility whatsoever. And I'm thinking, wow, I used to lead worship in this church. I'm not even on the musician team. Wow. I'm a teacher by trade. That's where I was at the time. And I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not teaching anything. Uh, I, can dr I drive a minibus for a job, and yet they're not asking me to drive the minibus. Bit weird, that. At that point, I really could have taken offense. I know most of you have been in a situation like that. Do they not think I'm good enough? But I decided not to. Yeah. I decided, you know what? I was going to pour out my life, so I'm going to do that. I'm going to find one of these uh, expressions. I, I, ch I chose Hessel, and I'm just going to pour my life into Hessel. So there I'm there the first week, turned up early, and I'm teaching the person who's on the, on the projector how to use the projector, even though I haven't done it before myself. I'm still teaching it. Um, and then I'm putting out chairs. I'm welcoming guests, and I'm just pouring my life into, into that expression. And then one day, Jared comes to me and says, Chris, do you want to run this with Dominic? I'm like, what? It wasn't even in my head. All I was doing was just pouring out my life. And suddenly, suddenly, the favor and grace of God just raises you up. As you are humble, as you pour your life out, God raises you up. This has been my story over the last five, six years, that as I humble myself, God just raises me up and raises me up. But I know some of you will be thinking, think, okay, is this a formula? Do I need to start putting chairs? Do I need to start welcoming people? Do I need to start doing this? That's not the point. The point is not what I did. The point is the heart. Yeah. The point is that people who walk through the door, I was going to pour out love to them. It didn't matter what my title was. It didn't matter what my role was. I was just going to pour out my life for, that, for the people who were there. <coughs> that is the way to become great. That is the way Jesus did it. He didn't think himself equal with God. Don't think that you are equal with the person next to you. Serve them. Don't, don't take that, that, that equality for your advantage. Proverbs 25, 27 says this. There is no glory when you seek your own. Or there is no greatness when you seek your own. But when I, I seek the greatness of Steve, God pours some glory on me. When I, when I seek the greatness of Nicola, God pours some, some glory on me. When I seek his glory, he pours some more glory on me. Because it's those who humble themselves which God just pours his greatness and his glory on. How do we build the greatest church? By building the greatest people. Who are the greatest people? Those who just pour out their lives in love. Back to you, Jared. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. It's fantastic. And so listen, you can't be a disciple without a life of service. So if you're in a part of our culture that doesn't require service of you, essentially our culture is doing you a disservice. Because when we get into a place of service, if you listen really carefully to it, it's brilliant, Chris. When you get into a place of service and humility, you have the opportunity to enter greatness and glory. When we go for greatness and glory, we tend to get nothing. But when we go for service, and so we're trying to do everything we can to build a culture that just encourages, would be the strongest word to use, that we've got a place to get in. And even when we don't end up on a rotor, I'm going to get stuck in anyway. Encourage us to be a place where service happens really naturally and in a fun way without consuming every moment of our time but requiring 
time as an act of worship. Um, the second uh, of the three pillars, and essentially what we're saying is if these three aren't in our world, um, if we're missing one of them, we're missing full-throated discipleship. We're, we're missing a part uh, of what God wants in our lives because these things bring uh, the greatness of God to our lives. So uh, the first one is life of service. The second one is what we call life in circles. Um, uh, if you just click over to the next slide. We've talked about life of circles before, meaning this. Uh, uh, look at this room right now. We're all in rows. And we've decided for some years now, as, as a cultural piece to help us, is that actually when we're in rows, we're not being the church. We're just celebrating church. But actually, when we get into circles, we're being church. In other words, looking at the book of Acts, I've got to be around a meal table with you. And we start to get into something called church. I, I've got to have a close group of friends. If I'm honest, most people don't actually want to be in some kind of formal group. Who knows? We all just want friends on fire with God, living life together. And, and sometimes formality helps that. But the core that we're after is walking and running together in the things of God with a team of people, rubbing shoulder to shoulder, doing some great tasks together. Life in circles. I've got to be close enough not to get the Sunday morning, I'm fine and a smile from you, bless you, because we don't always want to trouble each other with what's going on on the inside. I want to be close enough to you to see the ketchup on your chin. And for you to be comfortable enough to me, for me to go, Steve, mate, um, how do I put it nicely? There's a little summit just there. And then he licks the wrong side and now the other side. And then there's still a big globule here. And I go, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> In other words, close enough, it's a metaphor, close enough for real relationship. We've got to be in real relationship. See, the danger with life and service on its own is that we can do a task, but when we come off the task rotor, we disappear because we weren't in full discipleship. We were happy to do a task for God, but let me take it a step further. But also, it's not enough to do a task for God. I've got to get into deep relationships that will carry me through and help me through and who I will give something inside of me to others. Look how it's put. Jesus talking about how he appointed his disciples. Jesus went up on a mountain and called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might. Look at this. This is what discipleship's all about. Be with him being together with people that inspire you in God is vital in other words for everything that Chris has said it's inadequate without the other two life of service but I have to have life in service in other words I've got friends who are on fire for God it isn't true discipleship to just do a task we must also rub shoulder to shoulder and run together in the things of God somehow. Amen? Uh, Paul to the Ephesians put it this way. From whom the whole body joined, and this is Ephesians 4, joined, look at these words, and knit together by what every joint supplies. Listen, you supply something. But you've got to be knitted to supply it. Turn to the person next to you and say Knit. You've got to be knitted to supply. And here's, here's the difficult thing with church today, especially at our kind of size, is we can be a crowd in a room, but who knows, you can be lonely in a crowd. Yeah. You're not actually giving to anyone from that church family or receiving anything back. If you, if you read, I was reading through the epistles at the moment, and of course a lot of them are Paul and, and Paul in 2 Timothy. Again and again, he says things like, you refreshed me. 
You bring me joy. You're my crown. In other words, he's talking about the, the, the strength and the joy that comes out of intimacy with other people and the power that it brings into his life. Also, there's painful bits where at the end of 2 Timothy he goes, and this one deserted me and that one deserted me. And at one point he says, and they all deserted me. To be deserted is a lonely and, playful, lonely and painful place. To be connected, you refreshed me. Right? We need to turn up at church, connect with each other. You, you had me at hello. You complete me. Come on, get gooey with me. Life in circles. Somehow we've got to connect together. Um, did I finish it? What every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share and it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Our danger is that we might become a big crowd but a frag fragmented one, a brittle one, a weak one. So it's easy for us to split. Why? Because actually our strength is things like trust and adventure. And I get you. It, true discipleship requires some level of development and iron sharpens iron. And I'll use the even stronger biblical words of correction and discipline in a nice way. But listen, the reason we're threatened by words like that is because outside of relationship, we take correction to be rejection. And discipline to be disapproval. But you know, when you're really in a place of trust, someone you really know loves you says, hey, this little thing you're doing is kind of hurting me or you're not accomplishing something here with this task. If you did it, this won't be better. They don't sit around going, well, who the heck are you? When you're in true relationship, you go, oh, okay, come on. Let's find a better way to do that. Why? Because not for one moment does correction threaten relationship when it's really there. Trust is the only way to build, and trust takes time together. And you cannot have time with 650 people, so it's got to be time with people that you build around about you so you don't end up lonely in church but connected. Amen? I'll, I'll finish on, on this point. Um, uh, in Genesis 1, God makes the world and he just speaks and and light appears and and things fall into place and vegetation and animals but it was it was man was the the first thing he bent down and he he formed with his hands man was made through touch while the world was made by just speaking and as i heard td jake say recently and man has needed touch ever since you need touch I'll be honest with you, speak from the platform is not enough. Your life was designed to require touch. Close enough to hug, to weep together, to fall into someone's arms and go, I'm having a dreadful day or a dreadful year. Close enough to see the smile and go, this is fun, isn't it? We're not here to do tasks. We're here to enjoy family. But who knows in our busy world, that requires focus from us. And so we want to do everything we can to steer our family towards this kind of health. Pillar one, life of service. Pillar two, life in circles. Pillar three, show the next slide, please. Oh, find out next week. <laughs> I like doing that. That's fun. You can switch the PowerPoint off. Thanks, Lucy. Hey, so we're going to continue this little story next week. And it's all about building towards a culture of health.